What happening? What happening? What happening? Ladies and gentlemen, do I got a show lined up for y'all today? But right about now, I'm about to bring one of my greatest, about the, about the baddest band in the land, past, present, and future, to me. I'm going to let them bring y'all on this journey that I'm about to take y'all on. Y'all give it up for the Gap Band. Party train. Oh man, this is like one of those feel good songs. It's like one of those feel good songs that when you when you get your day started, you just need to be amped up. So right about now, what I'm telling y'all to do, y'all come on, get on this party train, cause I got a show lined up for y'all today that's gonna be awesome songs. And hey, I don't want y'all to miss it. Better get your ticket because hey, listen, this train is pulling out of the station and you don't want to be the one that's on the back end. So if you guys can hear me, drop a one in the comments, please, if you can hear me because this show is going to be awesome. Now come on. They got places to go and people to see. And I got a rendezvous with destiny. First off, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Plugged In. Plugged In is the show where we give you everything that you need. Mm, we give you everything that you need in order to make you successful and to get you to the places and the points that you want to be in life. All here, ladies and gentlemen, here is where we want to get you to change your lives, your circumstances, and your situation. But first off, we got to pay some bills. We're going to pay some bills. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who bought a copy of Swimming with the Shark. This is my uh, book number single, book number five. Book number five. Thank you, everybody, for buying this book. This book now is well over a thousand copies, ladies and gentlemen, that's circulating around the universe. And I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for everyone who bought a copy. I can't thank enough these other eight authors uh, who contributed to this project, who probably didn't even see it, who probably didn't even know what in the world I was talking about when I was pitching it to them. But I am most grateful that they came on this journey with me. And it's not my doing, it's because of them. Each person that's in this book, ladies and gentlemen, has a phenomenal story. Uh, just to give you guys a glimpse, uh, uh, it does have some photos and pictures in there of their businesses. Uh, so when you guys get a chance to see us on stage, if you connect with any one of these authors in this book, you will be able to see their picture in here. Swimming with the Shark, ladies and gentlemen, my fifth project, my fifth book. Uh, uh, and this one here is, it, hit and hit, it has not hit bestseller list yet. But it is on its way, and we are well over a thousand copies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And while you're there, go ahead and get book number four. Trust the process. This book right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is my fourth book that was out. Trust the process is a good book, and it's it's basically self entitled, self titled to let you know exactly what you need to do uh, when you embark on this entrepreneurial journey. First trust the process. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today and I was telling her, you know, it's a difference when you get information 
that is going to help benefit you than it is from just getting information from somebody who hasn't been where you are trying to go. Now, y'all let that sizzle in your spirit a little bit. Uh, uh, again, let me say that one more time. Only listen to people who have been where you are trying to go. That information is good in some cases. First, you got to trust the person that's telling you. Make sure that they're not a hater. And they're trying to prevent you from growing or excelling in whatever endeavor of life that you're trying to do. But take advice from those rather than taking advice from someone who has never been where you are trying to go. All right, let's get this thing cracked and jumped off. And, and, and this title, I have been, this subject, I have been battling this subject for over two years now. And it was kind of like what we tied into yesterday um, with the whole podcast that we were talking about. I don't want to go off into doing names and stuff because, like I said, that's not how I want to build this platform. That's not how I want to reach my audience by trying to talk and bring about or uh, talk about uh, somebody else's. Uh, what they're going on in that life. So if you want to know about yesterday's podcast, go back in and tune in to uh, that podcast and you will know who I'm talking about. But it ties into that subject matter almost uh, into race, religion, and politics because myself being a black business owner, I have never used uh, my race or my ethnicity as a means to generate or make money. And it, it always begged the question to me, is that necessary? Is that necessary to say that I am a black business owner? And, and I was talking to, <laughs> I think I was talking to my mother about this. And, and, and it was kind of funny to me because I was like, all right, if I'm in my shop and customers walk in, they don't ask. Well, if they do ask, are you the owner? Yes, I'm the owner. Isn't it automatic that I'm black and I am the black business owner? Isn't it automatic by default? Now, in some cases. Because most times when you go to a Chinese restaurant, those are not Chinese. They're oftentimes Vietnamese. But they placate on that because the average person here in America don't know the difference between Chinese, Vietnamese, Japanese, Korean, uh, Taiwanese. Uh, we don't know the difference, really. Honestly, if you can look at them, Line them up. I mean, come on. We call everybody Mexican. And we have, hit, <laughs> we call everybody Mexican. Just be real. Mexicans, Guatemalans, El Salvadorians, Hondurans, uh, Brazilians. We, If we was to look at them, we call all of them Mexican. And especially in my culture, because we the worst. We the worst. Everybody Mexican to us. Everybody Chinese to us. I mean... Every it's, it's funny because everything is karate. 
We don't know the difference between Kung Fu, Jiu Jitsu, Aikido, Upkido, Jinkun Do. We don't know the difference between none of that. It's all karate to us. So, and that's what I'm saying in the world of business is specifying black owned. Is that necessary? And how offended would we be if our counterparts said white owned business? I mean, it's automatic. It's automatic. If McDonald's said McDonald's, white owned business, over a billion served, would that cause us to go into an uproar? Or will we keep ordering them two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on the sesame seed bun? What if it was Burger King, Wendy's? We already know that these are white establishments and it hasn't stopped anybody I know of from going. God knows we know Chick-fil-A is Caucasian owned. Not even open on Sunday. But did that still stop us from going and waiting in that? I don't care what time of the day it is, what city, town, state it is. That line at Chick-fil-A is wrapped around the building without even saying white-owned business. And we know that it is a white establishment. But if... If another race specified their ethnicity or their race or their background, their culture or whatever the case may be, would we be offended? I've often thought about that. I would love if anybody has a uh, uh, any black owner or black business that's out there, if you're listening to this podcast or even catch this on the replay, I would love for you to call me. And let's talk about it, because I, I have some real questions. I really want to know, has that character or, or uh, has that listing or that labeling, has it made you any more money or has it caused you to lose money? That's the question I want to know. And then if it did, how? Wh what are you basing that on based on uh, is it based on the amount of other races that come to your establishment? Because just to say that you're Black-owned, that doesn't necessarily mean you got an automatic ticket to success. Because if you got a bum product or if you're providing a bum service, I don't care what color you are. If you have a good product or a good service, I don't care what color you are, you are satisfying and serving the need that I have. And you just so happen to be the business that is giving it to me. Is color even actually a factor over the amount of money that I'm going to spend? Real authentic questions. And how much business have you pushed away because of that one specified word or title? And I know businesses. 
There's nothing wrong with being a black business owner. There's nothing wrong with being a white business owner, uh, Italian. But I already know, again, I already know. Now, when I go to Macaroni Grill, I don't ask, is this an Italian-owned restaurant? No, I want me some pasta. No more than when I go to Taco Bell. Well, I don't go to Taco Hell no more because I done got too old and my stomach can't handle it. But when I used to go there, I didn't go and ask for that a Hispanic-owned restaurant or a Mexican-owned restaurant, even though knowing it wasn't. Taco Hell is United States born. But if I when I go to Taco Tuesday, I go to the Hispanic ran food trucks because of the authenticity of the food. It's not westernized. It's not Americanized. It's real the way the Hispanic culture cook it. Same way if I'm in a Jamaican-owned uh, restaurant. I want some real curry chicken. I don't go outside to anybody who doesn't know how to make curry chicken. It's like an oxy. It's like crazy to me. So uh, 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 again, has has that helped your business? I can see where it can be a standoffish or cause you to lose some money. Because to the majority of the mass public, it doesn't matter. And how much of that do we cause our own division? How much of that do we cause our own division by specifying we are a Black-owned business? From friends of mine and people who are not Black, have, have they basically, it puts a thing in their mind, preset in their mind, some, especially those who haven't been around the, the culture or, or been exposed to the culture as comfortably as others. But some some of my white, uh, my Caucasian uh, friends won't even go because it's established. Oh, that's that, that's that uh, uh, business over there. On, they say they're black owned. And they try to be polite with it, but you can't be polite with saying black owned because that's how you labeled it. It would crack me up to go to, now, oh, well, one time, and I'm going to tell you, this is where it throwed me off at, where I misread into the titling of the, the business, but I had the best time. I was in Memphis, Tennessee. And if anybody who's uh, any of my audience or listeners, if you're listening live now or if you're listening on the replay, I, had, I was in Memphis, Tennessee, and and I was telling my, uh, my 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 partner, I was like, Mel, I said, man, I want some soul food. I said, I like going and sampling the local restaurants and cities that I travel to. Uh, you know, I don't want to do franchise. A Big Mac, I don't even eat Big Macs or, or, or anymore, but. Uh, just just to put you in the mind frame of where I, I am, uh, a Big Mac in Gaston, Alabama is the same Big Mac in Jacksonville, Florida. It's the same Big Mac in Tampa, Florida. It's the same Big Mac in Los Angeles, California. They all made the same. 
So when I go to these different cities, I want to taste the authenticity. I want to taste the realness of the city. So I, I said, man, I want some soul food. So he was like, I got the place for you. And, and, and he was like, we're going to get you some soul food. He said, I'm going to take you to the soul food restaurant. Now, it had already planted a seed in my mind. Man, we we finna go deep up in the hood, where where where, where they got the the diabetic Kool Aid and everything up in there. But we pull up in this restaurant, and I look at the sign, and it said Soul Food, but it was Soul S E O U L as in Soul Korea. <laughs> Y'all getting this now? It was Soul. Soul food, but it was S-E-O-U-L as in Soul Korea. And I looked at him and I said, man, you playing with me or what? He said, oh, no, you just wait. We go in the restaurant, which had to, it was an old Quincy's restaurant or an old Ryan's or something like that. But it was all buffet style set up, right? But when I tell you these people had more hog mogs, oxtails, chitlins. Shitlands, and I just started dying laughing because I'm like, what in the world they know about soul food, fried chicken, every every dish that you can imagine at a soul food restaurant was at the soul food restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to the soul food restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee. Had a blast. Could eat half of the stuff that y'all had on the menu, but. It was a blast. But again, in that in that case, I can understand the play on on the words. And then the actual filling out or fulfilling the definition of the play on on the word. Soul career, soul food. And you wouldn't have never known the difference until until you see the sign. I hope that restaurant is still there. Memphis, Tennessee, I'm coming back at y'all real soon. But I can understand the marketing and that. They played on the words as a marketing tool. And then when I look around the restaurant, it was only us in the whole entire restaurant. We got Korean people cooking soul food for a restaurant full of black people. The funniest thing in the world that I've ever seen. But I wonder why they didn't say Korean food. Would it have made a difference? Would that would that restaurant has been would that restaurant have been as packed as it was? Buffet style, it was a 20-minute wait. Buffet. 20 to 30 minute wait. But if they hadn't have used that as a marketing, would they have been as successful a business? Now, to us. As, as black entrepreneurs or black business owners, or, or would we be offended? In that situation, nobody was offended. I actually was cracking up laughing at the play on and the marketing genius behind it. 
But what if, if they had us said just a Korean restaurant, would we have gone? Would it have been as packed as it would have been? I beg the difference. I don't think it would have been because I love Taco Tuesday. I love me uh, some uh, uh, Chinese food or Vietnamese food or Japanese food. You know what the funny part about it is, is as, uh, as many Chinese restaurants as it is out there, we never ever ask. It never comes up and becomes a question. Are you Chinese or not? But we want to, and I get it, I get it, I get it, family, I get it, black family. We want to take pride that we own a business. I'm just telling you that it is of no consequence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't have to say that because to me and in my experience, I am in an industry, one of my businesses is in an industry that's dominated by Caucasian people and I still have not specified black leather crafter. I advertise my product as premier work. It's not black work, it's premier work. And I am in the majority, over the majority, 98% of my clientele are Caucasians because they love my work, not that I'm black. And it's not some anomaly that I am a black leathersmith or a leather crafter. But if something for, uh, would we be offended if somebody had said we're a white-owned business and they put that in their title like we do? Would we be offended if it says Italian-owned business? Doesn't that pretty much send a message to you subliminally that we only want to serve our own? If you don't feel that way, somebody put that, drop me a comment. If you don't feel that way, oh, we got one in there. I think it was founded on the awareness for the people to support their own, just as the system was programmed us to support theirs. I agree. But uh, and, and my question was, well, uh, black owned is meant to draw the black dollar. However, blacks have the same thought process as you speak. It doesn't matter. My In my experience, and, and this is not a pushback at all, I, I totally agree and I understand. I have lost more money. And the problem that I have come encounter with is, especially when I increased my prices, uh, and I get it. I get it. I make, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to give you this example because it's a funny story. Uh, uh, a person came into my shop one day and they was like, man, uh, well, no, they didn't come into the shop. They saw me at the store somewhere. He was like, man, you still making belts? I said, yeah. I said, I'm always do that, brother. I said, but I've got to tell you, I'm expensive. Because one trip I flew back home from Florida, uh, I had just talked with my coach, and my coach told me, he said, he said, Robert, you're too cheap. He said, my circles want 
buy from you because you're too cheap. Now, keep in mind, this is one. This wasn't a black white lesson. This was a money and no money lesson. He said, you're too cheap. He said, what's the sense of us having all of this money if somebody at McDonald's and Burger King can buy the same thing? I said, wow. And, and now here's the lesson in what I was being taught, not black and white, about money and no money. He said, how long does it take you to make a belt? Two, three hours. He said, two, three hours. He said, that's cheap. He said, I need you to take two weeks. It don't take me two weeks. He said, I need for you to take two weeks because two weeks from two hours says that I am really paying attention and focusing on the craft. Mm. Ooh. Let that sizzle in y'all spirit. He said, two weeks. He said, now here's the thing. I need you to increase all of your prices $125. I said, my base can't afford that. Now, from my perspective, from, from me, came the issue of race. Because up until that point, the majority of my clientele and my customer base were my own people. And I know. I'm not going to spend no $175 on, no, on, on something that's just going to hold my britches up. That was crazy to me, and I make them. He said, I need you to increase your prices uh, $125 on everything. I said, man, I'm going to starve to death. He said, no, you won't. He said, you're going to be all right. I flew back home, raised my prices up. So when I ran into the brother into the store, I said, yeah. I said, well, brother, I'm expensive. He said, man, I got money. I mean, I, I'm not pocket watching you. I said, okay, my belts are $175. The first thing he said, for a belt? <laughs> I get it. I get it. He said, for a belt? I was like, yeah. But then as a owner, I looked at, wait a minute. Y'all spend three and four and five hundred on a Gucci belt or a Louis Vuitton belt that's mass produced. I'm a custom shop. Custom. Won't nobody else fit this belt that don't have the same waist as you. And a lot of times back then, at, at that time, I was doing a lot of personalized work. So I don't know anybody else named Bun Bun that's a size 38 that wants this in two-tone brown and khaki. So the odds of me finding somebody else with all of those criteria is out the window. So yes, $175. Plus tax. Well, how long is that going to take? Two weeks. And you got to put a deposit down to put you in the lineup because I'm not going to put you in the lineup until I have a deposit now because I'm not going to carve or stamp your name into this because then I'm stuck with it. 
once your name goes in it or once your initials goes in it, you have bought it. Mm. So the, 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 the thing again was the race issue came from me because I knew who my customer base was and I was totally eliminating or alleviating the money that wouldn't have asked me no questions. And then he said, he said, how long is it going to take? Two weeks. And I ain't got that kind of time to wait. Well, this is not the shop for you. So at the time, I'm going to speed this up. And just to give you all the example and the difference between it's a money thing and not a black white thing. So after my prices went up, now I starved for about 10 months. I didn't make any money for about 10 months because it took a little bit of getting used to the new pricing structure. And a lot of my old customers that was buying my products at $25 and $40 that I was playing to the financial demographic of my base, they all faded out for a time. I'm going to come back to that. So when, uh, 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 hey, what's up, Sonny? Sonny up in New York. Uh, uh, it depends on where you live in New York. We, we don't see the issue with race. Exactly. And I'm getting to that point. Because when I started doing custom leather shoes, the sandals, and you guys have seen my work on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. When I started doing the custom sandals, and this is when I first learned about country coats. My phone was ringing. And I was like, I don't know who it is. Y'all know how we are. I don't recognize your number. <laughs> you going to the box. And so I box. And they called right back again. Mm, box. Probably a bill collector or something like this. Because then I'm just starting out in the business. So I had to revamp a whole lot of stuff. And there was a whole lot of people that I owed money to. But I got to get to you as I get to you. But you calling me ain't going to get it no faster. So I got another phone call. Hey, cowboy, is your phone working? And I'm just like, look, I'm talking to you on my phone. Yes, my phone is working. I got a friend that's trying to call and order some of your samples. And I was like, oh, that's who that was. I didn't know nothing about no country codes. And so I said, tell him to call me right back. So they called back. I answered the phone, Premier Leather Crafters. This is Robert the Cowboy, Leather Cowboy. How can I help you? So she's talking, and I picked up on the accent because I love that little Australian accent, you know. So she picked up on a little accent, and she said, yeah, I, I want to order uh, uh, some of your sandals, and I've seen some pictures, and, and I want to order a pair. So I go through the little pitch and taking down some information and stuff like that, finding out what she likes, what she's into. So I incorporate that into the design work. I'm taking out something. It got all the way to the end. And she she said, okay, how much do I owe you? I was so scared. I cheated myself out of a hundred dollars. And I said, 250? Scared. She said, is that all? Let me order another pair for my daughter. <laughs> I was so afraid because I said 250 
she turned around and ordered another pound. Just like hers. She said, make both of them the same for me and my daughter. She said, how do I pay? I said, well, now here we go again. Still scared. It wasn't a black-white thing. It was a money thing. She didn't care whether if I was black, white, purple, or green. This lady didn't even know who I was. She called me from Australia. My first international uh, uh, work that I had ever done. Thanks to a friend of mine, another friend, who was non-black. And hey, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. I love me some me. <laughs> I love my people. But when it comes down to this money thing, I don't care what color you are. If you want my product, and most customers don't care what color you are, if the work is good, if the product is good and the service is good, they don't care. But I've always wondered, why do we do that? And it's so unnecessary. But we would tear the club up. We would tear the world up, march up and down the street if somebody stipulated that they was a white business. Because we know that even though when we tag or label things like that, we basically saying we only want to cater to them. Now, if y'all come in, we're going to serve you. But it's more or less for us. I, 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 I had to learn. And this, again, this is tied into what we was talking about yesterday. I get to the money. And I focus by me focusing on making the money causes me to focus on the product. Now, listen, I got this shirt on that says melanin. I support me. I support my people. I support my culture. I support my race. And I love my people as funny acting as we are sometimes. But at the same time, I don't let my blackness box my money in either. I don't let my culture and my people box my money in. When a customer comes in and orders a piece from me, even if they come over line, I don't ask them are they what color they are. No more than they ask me, are you a white craftsman? Well, I mean, look, if that's your hang-up shirt, then this is the wrong person for you. People do business with me because they like my work. People take my course, my online course, because they like the results that I bring them. They like the results that I show them, that they see. I, I, I and, and now again, if, if you want to be called that, hey, do you. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just wonder how much, how do you base your revenue? on how much or loss, not just revenue, but how much loss, how much of a loss are you taking? 
How much of a gain are you making? Now, uh, uh, again, it's just questions I would love for any black-owned business out there. Hey, look, give me a call. I'll bring you on the show. Let's talk about it. We can dialogue about it because it's something that I don't know. And I am genuinely, 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 my tongue is thick. I told y'all that one time before. I am genuinely interested in knowing those two numbers. How do you know your profits and your loss, your gains and your losses? It's pretty much the majority of your Black-owned businesses are already surrounded or in your Black neighborhoods, which that's not a bad thing. Bring that money to the hood. If your customers are comfortable from, from, from buying from you, do that. Majority of us are civilized white America. Over a majority of us are civilized. But, and then I would love to know from the white community, how much of you, how many of you are staying away from doing business with those businesses that use that title in your name? Mm, that's the flip side. See, this is what the world is all about, dialogue. Because just as quickly from the podcast that we did yesterday, we saw how fast we turned on that brother. Black owned or not, he pissed off a whole lot of people. It didn't bother me because I knew the angle that he was coming at. I knew what he was trying to do. I can see it. When you are in the business space, you can see what some people are trying to do sometimes because what most of y'all missed was he was trying to cut the contracts without having to go through a whole lot of legal mumbo jumbo. Now, it was a little extreme, but the genius behind it, because as long as he was putting out those shoes, those shoes were not independently put out by him. Those shoes was put out by another company that had him locked into a contract. He couldn't sell his designs to nobody else in perpetuity. Look up that word, perpetuity, means forever. As long as he was with the gap, he couldn't take his clothes and put them in Target. There was an exclusive line for the gap. He was locked into a contract in perpetuity. But then they snip. Now he can go anywhere. Not just anywhere. Now he can open up his own store. The man's a billionaire. Well, it was. I think he still is because he was at $4.9 and now he lost $2 billion, so he's still $2.9 He has enough money to self-fund his own chain of stores. He has enough money now that he can negotiate the same deal with an offshore manufacturing company over in China or over in uh, Singapore or in Thailand that can make those shoes and then he can ship straight from the, the manufacturer straight to you, the consumer. Now, 
The greatest part about that for the consumer, you won't be paying $400 no more. Because when you have all of those people that's involved in the contract, everybody got to get a little piece. Shaq already showed us that. Shaq went from, listen, I'm going to put out a good quality shoe for cheering with big feet that mama can't go down to Foot Locker, Foot Action, Champs, and buy a size 17 without paying three, $400. You can't get Jordan's in a size 17. You can't get Jordans in a pair in a size 21. They don't make them. Certain shoes that's in these department stores don't go past a 13. And then those sizes, even if they do make them in a 13, they real limited. So the genius behind what was being done that a lot of people didn't see, he severed those contracts before the contract was even for negotiation or renegotiated. See, you have to follow that story in its entirety and reserve your feelings to see what was done. A lot of people, a lot of black people were upset and mad at the White Lives Matter shirt, but none of y'all saw what was on the front. Sometimes you can't jump off in that water too fast. When you jump off in that water too fast and you don't see, see, you ain't got to worry about, I ain't no alligators in that water, ain't no sharks in that water, but they don't tell you about the undercurrent. I'm just saying, you don't have to be a him fan. But I see now the business behind it being a business person myself, I saw the genius in it. Was it extreme? Yes. Did he lie? No, he didn't tell no lies. Was it tactful? Was this tack off? Yes. I, and anybody that knows me, you guys already know. I'm the world's worst person with tack. I don't have the world's best tactfulness. Because, listen, if, if you're worried about me hurting your feelings, put your feelings in your pocket. I'm going to tell you the real truth. You might not like how I say it. You might not like what I say. But it, it's just like medicine. Nobody likes taking medicine. Medicine is nasty, but it's good for you. Again, this is what we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen. I would love for someone to give me a call, 256-438-9344. 9344. I would love to talk to both sides. If you're a black-owned business, how much of that has hurt your business or increased your revenue? I don't know. Probably because you say black-owned has increased your revenue. I don't know. I would love to know that. And then, but I, I'm more curious then if you say that, yes, it has increased my profits. I want to know what's your gauge. How did you gauge that? How, how did you gauge that? Because if only black people are buying from you and no white person is buying from you, then you don't know how much money you're losing because you don't have no other race coming to buy from you. Mm. And we are the world's worst. We shop and spend our money with everybody. You can literally track how much the black dollar is and how much we spend 
in various places in businesses and restaurants and retail stores and car lots they know how many black people bought a mercedes benz we outbought white america six to one in mercedes benz last year we know that <laughs> that's fact google that don't take my word for it go back and research it for yourself so, but if you're a white person, I want to know how many black businesses did you stay away from because they had that title, black owned, or did it attract you? Hey, I'm not going to keep you guys long. Hey, again, if you guys get a chance to, uh, not if you get a chance to, please go onto Amazon and type in Swimming with the Shark. This is my fifth latest book that's come out, ladies and gentlemen, that's on its way to being a bestseller. We've sold over a thousand copies to date. Thanks in part to all of the other eight authors that's in this book who all have a phenomenal story. We are all sharing our story in this book. We're all sharing our story of how we stayed in the fight, we overcame, we persevered, and we stuck with what we really loved and want to do. Swimming with the Shark, I would encourage anybody to go and get this book. This book, if you are having any types of reservation or pushback, or you just need some motivation, need some motivation in there. One sister in here who had a double mastectomy before she was 30. Oh, lost all of her hair. Motivational story. That's, that's, that's something for somebody to go through at such a young age, 27 years old, and lost her womanhood. Oh, that hurts. But she stuck with it. She did not let a double mastectomy, losing her hair and having two children and going through some other personal issues. She did not let that stop her from being a businesswoman. That kind of stories like that, ladies and gentlemen, are in this book, Swimming with the Shark. Uh, Swimming with the Shark. Uh, uh, you guys can go and get this on Amazon. Right now it's $15.99 on Amazon. It's also it's up on the ebook. At $13.99. So you don't even have to buy the hard copy. If you want to get the ebook, the digital download, you can download that ebook at $13.99. I will thank you guys and I love you guys for your support. I appreciate you for sticking with me and supporting me all these years. You have seen me grow. And I have loved been uh love giving you guys this information and love guy, I love dropping this. Uh, this knowledge and these uh, these gold nuggets of information to you guys because I want to see you make it. I have, I honestly know, I don't believe, I know there is enough money out here for all of us to eat. You guys have heard me say it before. Cube steak is still steak and we all can eat good. Just put a little gravy, make mine with some rice on now. I'll see you guys on the other side. I'm going to leave you as I came here, I'm finna get on this party train. Woo! Don't y'all miss that train. Let me tell y'all something, man. There is nothing like being stress-free. Financially stress-free. You just gotta get on this train. You already know what it's like not to have. Take a chance on having something that you never had. I'll see y'all on the other side. Peace.